right. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Kings and Priests, another episode. This is episode 18. Man, that's awesome. going quick. I know. How you doing? Doing great, mate. Yeah, just got in from uh, Park City back here in LA for a couple of months. So Nice. You know, oh, cool. Very cool. Right on time for spring. and I was going to say, man, the weather has just changed, right? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I've been missing golf. It's like, you know, you're in Park City. It's awesome. Hit the slopes here and there, <laughs> but uh, missing the old golf course, man. There you go. Working. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is it, I guess it's probably still snowy there. Cause you just had, you just had the grandkids out, right? I did. Or you had Winston. Yeah, we, had, oh, we had awesome snow and it'll, it'll stay around another month. You know, okay. start, it, they shot the mountain in mid April. Okay. Nice. So nice. We get out of what, Dodge in March. Yeah. What else is going on? Anything? Uh, I guess work uh, has just been, you guys are so busy, huh? That's no, nuts, dude. We got, uh, we got our big event next week. That's right. Um, Getting some pretty cool uh, people reaching out, you know, from watching the pod here. Yeah. Talk, talk to, I've been talking to just a couple of people, random, um, you know, tracking me down through Twitter and, yep. um, you know, getting my email from somewhere, which, you know, is great. So Heck yeah. That's amazing. Uh, oh, I love, uh, I love encouraging young entrepreneurs, man. Can you yeah. Realize, so. Yeah, they're it's loving it. And they're, you know, it's like... Um, I'm finding them online all over the place, you know, yeah. on Twitter, on Instagram. And, yeah. um, so it's been cool to just see it start to spread, you know, yeah, awesome. which is, which it's is awesome. really cool. Um, I talked to someone actually the other day, uh, his name's Steven, who I think we need to definitely have on the podcast, but he just launched a really cool project, uh, called the reformers NFT project. So I bought <laughs> another NFT. Um, but I bought it and I'm not trading this one. I'm keeping, I'm keeping this one. So basically, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's, it's really cool. So they got a bunch of illustrations of the old reformers done. So it's a collection of 126 NFTs, um, wow. of, you know, like all, all the, the photographs old, of the, the people yeah. or what? Yeah, th yeah, they're all um, illustrations. So, did, did John MacArthur sell for the most? Yeah, ex exactly, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I got like Augustine, and I mean, it's it's really cool. Like wow. they, they rolled it out really cool. But basically, the idea is, and it is, um, you know, you get an NFT, you become a part of their community, um, and you know, it's like students and writers and theologians and. Uh, all kinds of people that are involved in it, but they're about to roll out. Um, their vision is to just like roll out a whole community. So they're going to start, they've wow. got a discord server. They're going to start doing um, you know, like lectures and conversations. They're going to join, like they're going to start a little startup incubator to work with other Christians and churches wow. that are going to launch like web three projects. Wow. Um, so it's really, it's really cool. Um, it's my, Hang on, let me get avatar. these two words. Let me get these two words. Theologian. I guess it's three words, NFT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. I talked to them um, and they're just doing a whole, a whole lot of stuff in the space. So uh, check them out, reformersnft.com. Uh, um, and it, it's a really, really cool community. One of the founders of it was uh, an early employee of Robinhood. Um, oh, wow. and really help launch them. So they've got some really cool people involved all again, just getting out into the, the web three space. I still don't fully know what web three is, but Hey, I'm, I'm doing it and I'm getting uh, the hang of it little by little, you know, 
mm-hmm. my Ethereum went down. That was a that was a real bummer. You know, it's all it's all going down. It's been it? a tough start to it's, the year, man. <laughs> it is crazy. I, I guess are we officially in a bear market? Yeah, I, th- I did read that today. I think the I think Nasdaq's I think twenty percent right down is mm-hmm. is bear. So I think Nasdaq's definitely. But it, by the time people listen to this, it could change. So it's yeah. just going to be volatile. Has I, that I, hit the um, the startup space at all? Are things getting are valuations I mean, changing? Valuations or? are off a lot. 20, 30, 40%, you know, for okay. public companies, private companies are private companies, you know, they, uh, mm-hmm. the, the values are different. So it all depends yep. on you're buying or you're selling, yep. you, you know, it's probably a buying opportunity at some point, although this is not financial advice. Y- yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> when the market pulls back 20 plus percent and some of these like Roblox and like all of these darling stocks of the last six months are off 30, 40, 50%. There's going mm-hmm. to be some point where investors are going to start charging in and picking mm-hmm. that stuff up on the cheap. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you got yeah, some cash, it could be a buying time. Yeah, it's crazy times. I did. I bought a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago with this whole, and again, not investment advice. And even if it was, never listen to me anyway. <laughs> but uh, I, I was, you know, obviously Russia and Ukraine and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, saw something on Twitter, some talking head who I like a lot of his stuff was like, perfect time to buy CrowdStrike. Perfect time to buy Ooh. CrowdStrike. And I bought like the tiniest bit. And of course, it's like down another 26% or whatever. Since. Yeah, it's but, pretty you know, much I, I don't buy stocks point. with any amount of money that, you know, really, it, 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 I'm not putting a lot on the line, I guess. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I want to speaking of speaking of, you know, putting a lot on the line, I, uh, I listened to a podcast episode, actually, this morning, I've been walking to work. Um, you know, gas prices are just so expensive. So I'm. You're walking now. <laughs> I I am walking um, mainly because I'm just trying to get in a little bit better shape. And tell me about it. If I walk, I can get out of the house a lot more. You know, a lot quick, a lot quicker. Um, yeah. And so when you got a seven month old running around, it's just like yeah. it's a good way to get out of the house and get to get to get started early. So, but. I was walking and I was listening to a podcast that I love called The Acquired Podcast, which we've talked about yep. um, on this episode uh, before. And I, I only listened to like the first 20 minutes because it doesn't take me long to get to get to work. But um, the beginning was so fascinating. And I wanted to kind of like tell you this story, but it sort of launched them off into a really great discussion on risk mm-hmm. um, and how maybe risk has changed and what we mean by risk has changed and how like venture has really um reframed the way we think about risk. So um, this episode of Acquired uh, is about uh, Altimeter Capital and Brad Gerstner, who um, you know is a hedge fund guy. From what I've heard, he's part of the inspiration behind the character of Bobby Axelrod on Billions. Oh, um, wow. So if anyone's listened to that, that's that's part of part of what what he is about. But he's basically a hedge fund guy that is now um, also runs a large uh, venture fund. Like I think he's got like around 15 billion under management, but he was like early, you know, big investor in Snowflake, Facebook, Roblox, Plaid, Grab. He's a SPAC. So, you know, massive, massive, um, massive person in, in that space. Um, But they start the interview off asking him like classic interview, you know, classic interview, first question, like, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial house? Like, where did you become, you know, how did you become the guy that you are today? And he sort of goes on to tell the story about 1977, his dad became a general manager of this um, auto part manufacturer. 
in, I think somewhere in the Midwest that supplied GM and Ford, right? Sort of in a town that the town was made up of this plant sort of like employed the town. Um, and it was a time in the late seventies. They're seeing like double digit interest rates, double digit inflation. So I guess similar to maybe what we're seeing or about to see. I mean, now, sans but, the interest rates, but you know, yep. going up, hopefully not to double digits. Right. Right. Um, so basically, the story goes, his dad's a general manager. Uh, this company comes into town wanting to acquire this plant. And they need, you know, this guy, Brad's dad, to like basically deliver the staff, right? To say, we're going to commit, we're going to stay. Um, he didn't really go into whether it was a union or not. But basically, he goes back and forth negotiating. He says, listen, I think I can deliver all these, you know, all these guys. But, you know, you got to promise not to lay anybody off, of course. Um, I guess somewhere along the way, this company goes back on their word. He either gets word that they're going to lay everybody off or whatever. And so he kind of goes on this crusade. Uh, he leaves this manufacturing company and started a competitor, right? Um, didn't know anything about business, basically knew, I know the people that can make the parts and I know, uh, how the parts are made. And so we're just going to start a competitor. So to kind of fight this company coming in to try and shut down, essentially, you know, mess with this plant. So Long story short, goes on for years trying to do this, borrows money from the town bank, right, at a really high interest rate, mortgages his house, mortgages his car, uh, essentially lost everything, lost his family, lost his home, you know, lost his marriage. And he essentially said, like, you know, my dad was that classic guy who would, had too much pride to file for bankruptcy and actually like spent the rest of his life trying to pay back the money that he borrowed, right? right. Um, because that was sort of his word. So he's like telling the story of like what he grew up experiencing. And then he kind of used it as this segue into saying like, it's really funny because I know my dad's story. And then I sit down with these first time founders who, you know, have this idea and they're like, you know, I don't know. I just graduated from Stanford. Like, I don't know if I could really take the risk of, um, and he, you know, it's sort of like talking about how us young folks look at risk these days compared to previous generations. Right. Um, but then really talks about like how venture has really changed the way we look at risk and the way we manage risk. And so, you know, he said in venture capital, and I know you've said this a lot, if you fail, right, the risk is largely on the venture capitalist, not really on you as the founder, right? The founder is kind of right. given a badge of courage, as long as you handle it in the right way, and you're honest and upstanding, and, and you know, you're not scamming anybody, but it's like this badge of, right. of courage. Um, but I thought that was like a really interesting, um, for lack of a better term, like juxtaposition of like, you know, 40, 50 years ago, what it looks like to take a risk to start a business versus now. Um, right. so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and then maybe talk through how you manage risk. How should early founders manage risk? What does that yeah. look like? And then honestly, just like, do you have to be one of those bet the farm, risk it all kinds of people as an entrepreneur that we like hear these stories about in order to be successful? Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much going on there. Um, you know, I yeah, that was a lot. This. So we can yeah, parse that good. out, but you know, I grew up in, uh, uh, I finished, uh, 10th grade in 1980 and then, you know, really kind of got plugged into faith in like early eighties. Mm -hmm. And so the eighties for me were a real learning kind of period about, you know, just working out what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. And, um, and, and I remember buying a house in like 87 and interest rates went to like 17% and of course we lost the house. Um, and so 
so, you know, here's what I've learned about risk. Um, here's what I love about, let me back up what you said there. The VC world is phenomenal when it comes to allowing someone to fail and allowing them another shot. It, it's, you know, that badge of honor thing like you were talking about. You know, these guys are burning through <laughs> millions and hundreds of millions and mm-hmm. dot-com booms and 08 and all of this and just all the ups and downs of, of you know, markets and tech and and everything. And, and I don't think there's an industry that really kind of celebrates founders as much as, um, especially the tech industry, when it, when it comes to people failing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about... Um, I think about other areas where failure is pretty final, you know? And so I, mm-hmm. I just, I love what venture has done for the marketplace. And look, just look at 20 or 30 years of, you know, venture capital has done to not just America, but the world. What has come out, what has been created as a result of all that capital that was given to, you know, usually three or six guys, Right, partners in this firm, they get all this money in, they get a you know, 10 million, they get a hundred million, they get billions now, right? There's these funds that just start mm-hmm. in the billions. Mm-hmm. And that money literally is um is to be risked every single day. Now, mm-hmm. you know, if if uh if you put money into a fund, especially a VC fund or an angel fund, even more risky, is is that kind of my last like dollar of, of investing and I'm swinging for the fences? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. This, this hundreds of billions of dollars that's being invested right now through venture capital and angel funds is money that has been already been made from previous risk taking. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about risk, there's, there's levels of risk. And I think if you're going to risk uh, to buy a house, right, that's different than risking to invest in a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, I think you've got to decide what I go, what I, the process I go through in a moment when I'm going to take a risk is what am I, what's the, the potential worst downside and mm-hmm. can I handle the worst downside? So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to invest in X, Y, and Z. What happens if I lose it all? Mm-hmm. And, and so the, what, what becomes the question is what is the, tol- what is my tolerance level? Mm-hmm in this mm-hmm. investment or in this mm-hmm. risk-taking activity. You know, like jumping out of a plane with a parachute on, that's a risk, right? What's your risk mm-hmm. tolerance for doing that? Well, some people's really high. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, you know, so whenever you're faced in a moment and, and bring it back to the here and now for entrepreneurs, you know, taking on capital is really, you know, in the old days we called it OPM, other people's money. And that's what adventure is. It's other people's money. And you've got really smart people making bets on founders and so on. And the, the, the risk for the um, the LPs is that that fund could return zero. And, you know, bad luck. That's, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about a small business owner taking risks, um, maybe borrowing some capital, um, m- maybe putting on an employee, right? Maybe expanding your reach and your business. All of that involves risk because typically what happens in a business is that you get to a place of comfort. And if you're a single operator and you've got your, your business and you've got, you know, you're a tradesperson or whatever it is, 
And you know, you want to make 150 grand a year and that's the number you want and that's going to provide for your family and give you a good life and save for your future. You, the risk that you're going to take at that kind of business is do I expand? Which means you've got to do more marketing, you've got to get more customers, you know, all the stuff we talk about. So the, the, there's always going to be risk if you want to grow. Because at the other end of risk, of course, is reward. And so you're always making this calculation. I'm going to risk this and the reward is that. Am, am I prepared to do that? And what's my tolerance for risk? And so, look, if you're under 35, your tolerance for risk should be high because you've got time to make up. Uh, you know, if you're 55, you know, I'm, I'm less risky now, but at 57 than I was at 27. So mm-hmm. I, I think it just depends on, you know, where you're at in life. But I, I, I come back to every single moment when an entre- entrepreneur takes that leap of faith, it's going to require a leap into mm-hmm. something risky and unknown. And, you know, I would say 95% of people are unprepared to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. a small percentage are and those entrepreneurs and yeah. of that percentage most of those fail too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Well, it's almost like you need to, you need to know um, yourself enough to know mm-hmm. like your own risk parameters, right? Like what, what can you, you know, how many chips can you put on the table and still be able to sleep at night or, you right. know, be a, still be a present good husband or dad. Right. So like right. me, my risk, my risk, uh, my risk, I guess, profile, such a lame way to put it, but my risk profile is so different now that I have a kid than it was yeah. a year ago when it was just me and my wife, which is so different than it was six when years ago single. before I had a wife. Right. Um, right. and so I just know, like, I know, I know the, the dots that I know the dots that have to be connected and the guarantees in my own life to be able to risk other things. Um, yeah. And it's almost like you're saying you kind of need to know where you at, what your goals are, and then also what is the potential, the potential upside. Right. Yeah, I was talking to someone this week and, you know, they're wanting to kind of take their career to the next level and it was going to require some risk taking and kind of working outside their comfort zone. And, and I said, man, you're young. You know, you're in your 20s. Take the risk now. Um, and this guy is just married and is kind of a young family and thinking about kids and like you know, take some risks when you're young so that you can risk less when you're older. But it's all super relative. You know, what's what's risky for some? Some people have a massive tolerance for risk. Think about these big hedge fund guys, man. They're making these bets on shorting these stocks and it's billion-dollar swings. It's like, hey, if you've got mm-hmm. the tolerance for that and you can sleep at night, have at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just think you – my encouragement, especially if you're starting out, is build a, a foundation – build a mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? I mean, you know, maybe buy a home should be your first kind of goal. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to invest, you know, saved capital into a business rather than buying a home. I've seen plenty of people do that. And they I was just later. about, I was just about to ask, I was just about to ask that. I, yeah. I was, um, yeah. Everyone's different, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going to, it, it, and it does depend on a, a bunch of other things. So, you know, it's got to be a situation where, You've got to be able to live with the d- decision. If you're married, it's got to be a joint decision, and you've got to be able to sleep at night. And so I just think it's you know you got to. But I I I subscribe to the crawl, walk, run um, 
philosophy of just about everything in life. You know, mm-hmm. let me get going. Let me get started. Let me mm-hmm. develop some muscles here and work mm-hmm. out what I'm, you know, can and can't do. And then yeah, I'll start jogging and I'll start mm-hmm. picking up the pace. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, all, all of that is when it comes to in, thinking about taking a risk for a house or a business or a marriage or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can't be stagnant. You mm-hmm. can't live in fear. You can't like wonder if it's going to work and, oh my gosh, you know, the worst possible yep. scenario. Mm-hmm. You know? And for us as Christians, right, there's a level of faith where we have to believe in God and ourselves and the plan and, you know, everything else that we've done mm-hmm. um, in getting ready to make this leap of faith. But, mm-hmm. you know, start small, build on your wins and yeah. successes. You have a setback, you take stock, you learn, you go forward again. And it's just this ebb and flow of life that is mm-hmm. always going to involve risk. Yeah. Yeah. So much, I think so much too, the way that we determine risk is, I think our past experiences do shape a lot of that, right? Probably sure. like the way our parents were. And I, I know for me, my dad always tells the story of my little brother had just been born. Uh, a, a subcontractor of his came to him and said, hey, I want to start a drywall company. It's $10,000 investment and, you know, we're not taking any money for the first six months. And my dad said, well, gosh, I just had this kid, my second kid. I can't take this risk. And now that's, it's the largest drywall company in North Texas um, still to this day. Right. So I grew up hearing that story. So I'm haunted with this, like, man, I'm going to bet the farm. You know what I mean? Um, I think my dad had a chance to um, invest in the first pizza hut in Australia and he didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, I remember the guy, uh, the guy Lawrence, who I worked for, for a long time had like first, f- like first opportunity for Uber, like back, yeah, right. you know, very, very beginning, you know? Yeah. And it was just yeah. like that 50 grand or hundred grand he would have put right. in would have been probably hundreds of millions, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely. Yeah. When but you I get guess in that you, early, it's like yeah. insane. So let's talk about like, and he, he, I guess here's what I think, I think when people like probably myself, so I'm 35, 36, um, when I think risk, I think what, if, if people my age are being honest, I think they're a lot less concerned about the practical risk, like risking a salary or risking healthcare or anything like that. I think there's like this almost like ego risk of like, like we think risk and it's like, well, if I fail, then what? Right. Like I've taken my shot. I can't go again. So um, I guess let's like I guess my question for you would be like, especially with the type of entrepreneurs we talk to, which, again, we always start with this crawl, walk, run. Right. Like unless you have some sort of world changing idea, you're going to start hitting singles and doubles before you're trying to hit a home run, you know. So like. I guess for people that are listening, what are they actually really risking? And that's what I started thinking about today is like in 2022 to start a business, to try something other than just our ego of succeeding or failing, what really are we, are we risking? And is that even a risk (laughs) at all? Really? You know, like, you know, I think the first thing you, you put on the line is your reputation, Mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't mean if you fail, you have a bad reputation. I think if you and you made reference, if you do business with integrity, you're honest, and just market forces wiped you out, I think you can still kind of hold your head high and say, you know, I gave it a swing and, and it didn't work out. Um, and and for some people, that's inspiring to give you a shot at your next thing. So I think you've got to be prepared to put things on the line. What am I prepared to put on the line? Money I'm going to put on the line, time, 
right, I might spend one year, five years trying to build this business. It may work, it might not work. I've got to look back and go, man, I just wasted five years. What else could I have been doing during that time? So you're going to risk time. You're going to risk your reputation. You're going to risk some money, right? You you, mm-hmm. you might raise some capital, but you're going to basically forego other earnings mm-hmm. from being employed to actually going out on your own and and you know starting your own business. So you're risking you know financially, and then you know you're risking emotionally, and mm-hmm. no one likes to fail. You know, losing mm-hmm. hurts, and losing mm-hmm. in life as an entrepreneur is really painful. And mm-hmm. and I think the the guys and gals that seem to be able to dust themselves off a bit, lick their wounds, learn from mm-hmm. their mistakes and get back mm-hmm. in the game, um, you know, those are the ones that typically eventually, like, they they start winning, you know, at something. And so mm-hmm. I think this this journey of I'm willing to risk all of those things, uh, my reputation, my finances, my time, um, and then, you know, feeling like I can believe myself enough to take the knocks, you know, the hard knocks of, mm-hmm. of building a company and, mm-hmm. uh, and keep pushing through. Yeah. What do you think, what role do you think our faith, cause our, our faith plays in things like risk, because obviously mm-hmm. we're people of faith and a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast, they feel for lack of a better word called to yep. build something and start something. Right. Yep. Uh, what, what role does that, what role does that play? Like I'm a person of faith and the minute you bring faith into something, I just all sense goes out the window in my mind. That's just the kind of guy that I am. And I'm drawn to people that are that way. Right. Um, Like what role does that play? And like, and and, probably less than it used to for me. Mm -hmm. Like I think Mm -hmm. early days, you know, you're, you're full of all this kind of faith and energy and zest and, you know, life hasn't kind of, clipped you around the ears a bit, you know, so you're just like, it's just blue sky forever. Mm-hmm. You know, faith, my faith in in my business world is important from an integrity and in how I function standpoint. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's the main currency that I rely on to be successful in business, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I was, because you know, in my past life, I was an entrepreneur in the, in, in the sense of I was a church planter. Mm-hmm. I, I would, which know, is the ultimate entrepreneur, nice, right? Like it's the ultimate, right? In startup. So I'm uh-huh. I always churches. say church planters, they never get out there. They're entrepreneurs that never get out of bootstrapping mode ever. It, pretty much. You know what I mean? Much. You're just, yeah. yeah. And so I was planting, you know, which is like, you know, a dozen people in a home and you you I mean, you got nothing. And then I'd help, mm-hmm. I've helped a ton of young guys and, you mm-hmm. know, couples plant churches. So, um, but I was always careful to be as practical as I could. You know, I encouraged bivocational pastors. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted church, you know, planters to have enough capital to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, get the equipment and, you know, and I remember it, even early on when you when you kind of just had us plant in Silver Lake, uh, mm-hmm. our first venue was a hundred dollars a week. There was literally no risk other yeah, exactly. than a few hundred bucks a month, right? Our pride in right. no one showed up. Um, and, but, and we all had yeah. jobs and we all mm-hmm. had day jobs and we all had night jobs and we all had mm-hmm. side hustles and mm-hmm. and so so yeah, so I, I'm I'm a believer in the eighty twenty rule when it comes to risk. I want to I want to if I got ten ducks, I want to know where eight of them are lined up, and I'll faith it on on twenty percent. That's just where I'm at. 
mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to have you know twenty percent of my my resources, my plan, my you know the whole thing, and and faith it for eighty percent. I'm just not going to do mm-hmm. that. And I I, mm-hmm. I would I would never encourage an, an entrepreneur, Christian or otherwise, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the take take our faith out of it for a second. If you're not a person of faith, you're you're highly practical and you're highly planned and you're highly capitalized and you're right. And then there's this other component over here called hard work, which is all kind of with faith or no faith. But I don't think faith should be a substitute for common sense, preparation, planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then on the flip side, and this is going to be an almost an oxymoron, moron, there is this component to people of faith, but it's not in the beginning. It's in, in the going. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's just like all of a sudden things start happening that are like, wow, God, was that you? Might have been, mm-hmm. might not have been, but thanks. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm always mm-hmm. going to give thanks. And then it's, it's, uh, it, God can breathe on things, uh, as I, as I step out and keep doing, but from a place of being practical and commonsensical about, you know, these risks that I'm going to take. So I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, big crazy faith guy when it comes to business. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. much more practical than I am spiritual mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it would, if you're the opposite, it could be really easy to ultra well, faith guy your way into a lot of really bad risks. <laughs> and well, not yeah, and if it doesn't right? work, now I can blame God, right? I'm like, God, you let right. me down. And then, mm-hmm. then we got a lot of angry, you know, burnt Christian people mm-hmm. who try to start businesses, and maybe they just didn't really have a good plan, or they didn't you know, have a good market and they didn't have good analysis and they were undercapitalized. And for all the things that businesses fail, my faith plays a role in my, uh, how I do business. Like how I, you know, how I carry myself towards my customers, my employees, uh, my commitment to investors. If I have any, that's, that's the, that's what I want my faith to really shine. So people will look back Mm -hmm. and go, you know, he might've failed Mm -hmm. on, on the profit and loss side, but man, Mm -hmm. Like I, I couldn't have asked any more of the effort, the hard work, the integrity. Like that's that's mm-hmm. really what I want to, you know, kind of shine forth from a, a position of faith. That mm-hmm. that you know, God wasn't maligned, and people don't look at Jesus as you know some kind right. of uh, what well, Jesus followers is just lunatics, and you know, people who are just mm-hmm. not not uh, mm-hmm. repping well. So I, I think um, that's that's where faith and, and entrepreneurship really come intersect for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, okay. I guess just, you know, lastly, you know, when someone is trying to make that decision and, and like I say, that could be someone starting the side hustle. That could be someone leaving the job to turn the side hustle into the full time gig. That could be whatever it might be in this world of entrepreneurship that we talk to. Um, what should other people in their lives? Like, I, I always find something feels like a really good risk until I talk to somebody else and I just see the look in their eyes someone that I really trust and go, ah, maybe what seems like a good risk to me, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I guess lastly, um, what does like just the role of having other people in your life that you can run this stuff by? It's um, massive. It's massive. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's free, right? For, I don't know one successful business person that wouldn't spend 10 minutes talking to a young entrepreneur about their experience. Not one. Mm-hmm. And, and so go and get as much counsel Go and get as much information as you as you can from people, a that you respect, but b have actually credibility in in either what mm-hmm. you're doing or something similar. 
you know, I, I think you just cannot have enough wise voices speaking into your life. And that could be parents, it could be pastors, it could be friends, but really who you want to get near are people who have done what potentially you want to do and have been successful. That's who you want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And and I just mm-hmm. don't think in this day and age where you can DM anyone on Twitter and like get, get in touch with people, just, yeah. just be inquisitive mm-hmm. to get that voice, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, speaking into whatever it is you're doing and earlier the better. Like yep. the, the thing we trick ourselves on a little bit is um, we go down the rabbit hole of dreaming mm-hmm. and we get, so, we get so committed in our own heart and mind. And we've done, we, you know, entrepreneurial, we just think quick and we can extrapolate thoughts out and, and multiply this by that many subscribers. And that equals that. And like it's, and you're down the rabbit hole and you might spend six months down a rabbit hole and you could speak to the right person that could go, hang on a minute. Why are you even down this hole? Mm-hmm. This is a nightmare. Let me tell you three reasons reasons why this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, great voices early and often, I think, are the mm-hmm. key. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. That was really good. Risk. Um, Risk, man. I think this is good. Talk- I, yeah. Yeah. This is really good. I think um, off the back of our two episodes on sales and, and all that, yeah. I think this will be really good for people to people to hear. When's the blog? When's the blog launch? DeanSweetman.com. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's pretty there. I got it all, you know, in shape. So I just, I got, you know, I own DeanSweetman.com. So I'm just, I just get it, got it all plumbed up and I'll probably launch it the next week or two. So Sweet. We'll get it out there. All right. Well, hey, if you're listening and um, you want to talk to either one of us, you can reach out to me, uh, mw.vast.faith. If you uh, have an idea, you want to come on the podcast and pitch us, share us the idea. If you got any questions, whatever it might be, uh, ideas for future episodes, reach out. Again, follow us on all the social media sites. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. Like and subscribe, and we will see you again next week. Thanks, Dean. Awesome. See you, mate. Talk to you soon.